0: Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we offer this time to you this morning. We trust that you are here with us as we ask you to be here with us. You have kept your promise and are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So our reading from Ruth this morning, which is a combination of texts from the beginning of chapter 3 and the end of chapter 4. Chapter 4 is actually the end of the book as a whole. This is one of the two parts of Ruth that I feel like people know pretty well. They know the part that we read this morning, the part in which Ruth goes to Boaz on the threshing floor and subsequently becomes his wife. And most people, I think, know the bit at the beginning where a loyal Ruth tells Naomi that she's going to stick with her no matter what. The verse you may well have heard here is Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. But because what happens between the beginning and the end of Ruth, I think, is less well-known... I'd like to take the opportunity this morning to tell you, briefly, I promise, the whole story of Ruth, so that you can see just how profound it is, and how full it is of good news for broken and sinful people like you and me. So Ruth is one of the three main characters in the book that carries her name. The other two we've also already heard mentioned, Naomi and Boaz. But the book begins with Naomi's Jewish family, her husband, Elimelech, and her two sons. They live in Israel. But there's a famine in the land, and so the family decides to go to Moab to see if they can find some more food and a better life. Unfortunately, they find the exact opposite. When they get to Moab, Naomi's sons marry Moabite women. Ruth is one, and Orpah. Is another, But then Elimelech and his sons all die. So thus, Naomi is left with only her two Moabite daughters-in-law. And she decides that there's nothing left for her in Moab, and so decides to return to Israel. Now, Naomi knows that life for two widowed foreigners will not be easy in Israel. So she tells Ruth and Orpah to stay in Moab. Both women protest. But Naomi insists, you've got to stay, she says. And finally, Orpah does leave. But Ruth promises that she will stay with Naomi no matter what. She is Naomi's family now. This is when Ruth says, do not urge me to leave you. Or to return from following you, for where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. And seeing that she will not take no for an answer, Naomi allows Ruth to accompany her back to Israel. And when they arrive back in Naomi's home country, the famine seems to be relenting a little bit, because the barley harvest has just begun. So Ruth goes out into a grain field to pick leftover grain, just as poor people would, as provided for in the Levitical law. Jews, as they harvested their crops, were supposed to leave a little bit unpicked around the edges for the poor, who could then come by and basically by doing a day's work picking the grain could have some food for themselves. So Ruth is participating in sort of the ancient Israelite form of welfare here. She's picking up the extra that the law-abiding Jews have left around the corners of their fields just for this purpose. She has no other way to provide for herself as a widowed foreigner. And so she relies on the required generosity of the people of God. But on this day, Her first day in the field, something amazing happens. As Ruth is picking the grain, she meets the owner of the field, a man named Boaz. And Boaz takes a liking to Ruth, noticing her and singling her out. And he ends up providing for her in a much more extravagant way than what the law required of him. He promises to care for her, to protect her, even going so far as to invite Ruth to take her lunch with his hired workers in the field, the people who are actually supposed to be there. Now, later on in the evening when she gets home, Ruth is telling Naomi this story, and Naomi is overjoyed. It turns out that Boaz is actually a relative and could be what was called a kinsman redeemer. Now, remember last week? that theoretical question that the Sadducees were asking Jesus in Mark chapter 12 about the woman who was married sequentially to seven brothers the kinsman redeemer policy is the source of that question when a woman is widowed and no longer had a husband to care for or protect her a close member of her family this kinsman redeemer would step up and do it he would marry the widow and care for the family. So Naomi tells Ruth to go to Boaz. This is our reading from this morning. To go to Boaz on the threshing floor and to basically in this sort of ceremonial way ask him to be their kinsman redeemer. (coughs) To step in. To care for her. And for Naomi. And Boaz agrees. Even knowing that Ruth is not... An Israelite. Remember, she is from Moab. In fact, in Ruth chapter 4, we read that at the last minute, it is discovered that there is indeed a member of Naomi's family who is actually a closer relation than Boaz, someone who would more appropriately play the role of the kinsman redeemer. But because Ruth is a foreigner, he refuses. Boaz, however, remains faithful to his promise, marries Ruth, takes Naomi's family under his care. And the result of that family? As the book of Ruth comes to a close, we read that Boaz and Ruth have a son who will become the grandfather of King David, head of the line of Christ. So that's the story. A wonderful story of faithfulness and provision in time of need. But I want this morning to draw your attention to just one very specific part of the story. A moment that comes, I think, right at the pivot point. Something that you could read right over and not notice if you didn't have a Christological point of view. You see, we read the story of Ruth from this side of the crucifixion and resurrection, from this side of Jesus, we are able to see the fullness of God's plan coming to fruition in Jesus Christ. So when we read Ruth, we can see what God is doing even all these hundreds of years earlier. So join me now. This is in Ruth chapter 2. Naomi and Ruth have returned to Israel and Ruth is talking to Boaz, having been noticed in his field. So... This is where we are. Ruth is in the field working. Boaz has come, has noticed her, and has sort of invited her to be cared for in this extravagant way, far more extravagantly than the law requires. This is Ruth two, thirteen and fourteen. Here's what we read. Then Ruth said, "I have found favor in your eyes, my lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant." though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted crane and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. So Ruth Who is not naturally a servant of Boaz, finds favor in his sight and is then invited to his table alongside and just like his true servants to partake of bread and wine. This is a beautiful foreshadowing of how God works for each one of us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. First, Ruth is not one of Boaz's servants. She does not qualify for his favor by her status. She didn't go through the job application process. She doesn't have good recommendations. She has not been working effectively for him for years or weeks or even days. She showed up a poor foreign widow today. And yet Boaz has chosen her. Naomi, when she hears about it, goes even a step further. May he be blessed by the Lord, Naomi says, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to Ruth in chapter 2, verse 20, this man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. You see, after the death of her husband and sons, Back in chapter one, Naomi tells Ruth that from now on her name is going to be Mara, which means bitter. But even that admission of deep sadness doesn't reveal the truth about how Naomi must really feel. Remember, she is now alone. She's in a foreign land. Her husband and sons are dead She has nothing to live for. In fact, in a manner of speaking, she herself is not even alive. A woman in her situation with no husband to provide for her and no sons to carry on the family name would have felt far worse than just bitter. She would have felt dead. Indeed, society would have regarded her in that way. And one of the reasons that this kinsman-redeemer role was so important was that it existed to literally save a woman from this death, this figurative and spiritual death. Naomi is dead. But Boaz can be her redeemer. He gives her new life. You see the parallel, of course. Here's Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world. And we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is how Naomi feels, a child of wrath. But God, says Paul, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. God sent Jesus Christ to be our kinsman redeemer. And what does Christ invite us to? A feast. A feast of bread and wine. A feast that we can partake in, even though, like Ruth, we do not qualify on our own to be there. Now, to be sure, Boaz is not Jesus He does not give Ruth his own body and blood to redeem her as Christ has given himself to us. But Boaz's grace and mercy point us to Christ and his that much more gracious and merciful love for us who are dead in trespasses and sins. And then at the end of the story, at the end of the book of Ruth, God ratifies this idea he makes sure we know he makes it impossible to miss that this is all pointing to jesus by bringing jesus himself our kinsman redeemer from the line of ruth and her kinsman redeemer ruth and boaz have a son obed who has a son jesse who has a son david And David is the king who sits at the head of the line who produces Jesus Christ, the savior of the world. Ruth, in her helplessness, a widow, a foreigner, and a pauper is met by a redeemer. He chooses her, invites her to a feast, and brings new life out of what seemed like death. And so it is. With you. You who were dead in trespasses and sins, you who were an actual enemy of God, are nonetheless chosen by Him in His Son, your Redeemer. You are invited to a feast, a feast which we will celebrate once again in just a few minutes. You will eat bread and drink wine, now the very body and blood of your Redeemer. And celebrate the new life that has been won for you in His name. You have found favor in His sight, even though you on your own could never gain admission. You are invited to His eternal feast on His account by His grace and mercy. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Maybe some of you here this morning feel like you still are. Maybe you feel like Ruth, a foreigner, someone who couldn't possibly be one of God's chosen. A widow, someone who has lost so much. A pauper, destitute, someone who has nothing to offer. There is good news for you. Jesus Christ is, by your adoption into him, a close relative of yours. He is your kinsman redeemer. He is there to rescue you. Even you, even now. Accept his redemption given to you for no other reason than that he loves you. Accept him for the first time today, or for the hundredth. All your needs are met in him. Come and feast with us at this meal. Feast on Jesus Christ, in whom you are raised to new and eternal life. In him, you are redeemed. In him, you are saved.